0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is this not enough for all passengers, traveling and the
1: entire race like Welcome to The Hold Room with ACC, a quick update on all things relating to airport development as well as the airport consultants council.
0: This episode is part of the Passenger Experience Series hosted by ACC's Terminal and Facilities Committee. In this series, we are collecting the experiences and perspectives about the future of passenger travel, including changing demographics, such as the U.S. population aging and becoming more multicultural, new technologies, labor and supply chain shortages, and what the future may have in store. Thank you for joining us in the Hold Room. Today, Carrie and Max from ACC are joined by Laura Benson-Jones and Annabelle Klein from the Executive Board at Flight Club 502. In this episode, Laura and Annabelle will discuss strategies for engaging young individuals on topics related to aviation from engineering to becoming a pilot. They are helping develop future leaders while promoting engagement in the industry.
1: Welcome back to The Hold Room, everyone. Today, we're very excited to have Laura Jones and Annabelle Klein with us from Flight Club 502 based out of Louisville, Kentucky.
2: Hi, I'm Laura Benson Jones and I'm an airline transport pilot. I've been flying airplanes since 1985. I sort of retired about seven years ago. I work part-time as more of a consultant for aviation, aerospace education, and for corporate air travel. And we started a nonprofit here in Louisville, Kentucky called Flight Club 502. And it's been an amazing volunteer opportunity. We started Flight Club 502 in 2015 because those of us who were retired from the aerospace industry wanted to make available lessons in aviation to inspire teenagers to really excel at science, technology, engineering, and math. And we really wanted to inspire the teenagers to be leaders for America tomorrow. And for us, that meant reaching down and lifting up those eight to 12 year olds because they're watching the older kids. And we think it's important for our teenagers to take on the responsibilities of being a leader. And the last piece we built into Flight Club, there are four fundamentals of Flight Club. The fourth piece is patriotism. It's been an amazing journey. We started with eight girls, October of 2015, and my sons said that why is it that only girls can fly and why is aviation so gender biased? They didn't understand that really most of the commercial aviators are male, but nevertheless we decided not to be a gender biased organization and we brought boys on. Today our organization has 400 members ages 13 to 21. And those kids served an additional 1,200 kids outside of our organization through outreach programming last year. And
3: I'm Annabelle Klein. I was the first president at Flight Club 502 when I was a junior in high school. And it's just insane how much it's grown. It's really become full circle. I got my private pilot's license 2017. And then I went off to college, did my thing in Nashville. And when I got married last year, we moved back to Louisville and just fell back in love with this organization. And it's a full circle because now I work here full time, which is a dream come true. It's the most fun job in the entire world. I get to hang out with all these people that love aviation, inspire these teenagers and be a mentor towards them. We get to see airplanes every day and get to talk to really cool people that know a lot about the aviation
1: industry. I'm curious about Flight Club 502's mission and what exactly its purpose is. Could you talk a little bit about that?
2: You know, we we developed Flight Club 502 to build leaders for America tomorrow. We weren't really thinking about building an aerospace workforce. However, what we found is that by introducing aviation to these children as young as eight years old, that I think currently we have 42 of our members in engineering programs across the country. We have, I think it was like 37 who are in commercial flight training programs. And it's amazing to me, but I'm just giving you a rough idea that we have young people who are pursuing aviation as a career. Even one of our young people had an internship with Textron, and she's a marketer but she wanted to stay in the aerospace industry and she was actually one of our founding members. We started our nonprofit. We wanted to build, build people and we want to give these young people a safe place to come. And we want to give them a community that not only offers them mentors, engineers, mechanics, pilots, retired military pilots and personnel. We're connecting teenagers with mentors And what we've seen is that with the mentorship, the kids are excelling. We're seeing them actually have direction at an early age. And they seem to really care about the younger gen. And that peer-to-peer mentorship that the teenagers do for their younger generation, the 8- to 12-year-old junior flight club, has been really amazing piece to this. Currently, we have six airplanes and 70 adult volunteers. And I think we've had something like around 92 that have obtained their pilot's license. That's pretty impressive.
0: Oh, that's very impressive. What do you think are some of the challenges for young people to get involved in aviation, whether it's being a pilot or other aspects of the market? But just from your experience interacting with children who are interested in this line of work, what are some of the challenges you think they're facing?
3: That's part of the reason we started Club 502 is because this original group of eight girls, we wanted to fly. And luckily, I knew Laura and we all had a connection to her. And she's like, OK, round you all up after school and we'll start a little club just talking about ground school stuff. It's really hard for people who have no connection to aviation to get involved and that's part of what Site Club 502 does. We, with all these outreach programs we do, we tell them it's an available resource and we are here to help you
2: find your path. I agree with Annabelle. I think it's just about exposure. We're open to all kids and This program offers outreach to elementary, middle school, and high schools. And as a result, we have kids from every economic background. We have girls and boys. We might have more girls than boys here. At least 50-50 girls and boys, which is incredible. The biggest, the most important piece to our organization are our volunteers. Because volunteers make this opportunity available for the kids in our community.
3: And a lot of the kids are first-generation pilots. I come from a family of pilots, but most of our kids, their parents have never touched an airplane other than a big commercial jet that they go to Florida for vacation in. I think that's also really important is to bring in new pilots and expose as many kids and teenagers to this industry as
2: possible. We don't care if these kids become pilots. We just want the kids to do well in school because if they do well in school, they might be able to be an engineer and build airports.
1: Yeah, we're always looking to add to the aviation workforce. You both started talking about this gender equity with respect to the aviation industry. You know, Flight Club 502, it's about 50-50. That's quite impressive. What kind of structural barriers do you feel like are in the way for people who are not men to get involved in this industry? Why does that happen?
2: I'm flying since 1985, and I do sit on the Women in Aviation Advisory Board, and they've been examining these issues. For me, I didn't have a barrier to entry. I've never had a problem having a seat at the table. I feel like many of my friends who didn't want to get involved in aviation, perhaps it was just the exposure piece that Annabelle mentioned, some women that I knew when I was growing up might have just wanted to be at home with their family and not on the road. For us here, we just really haven't seen a barrier to entry. We haven't seen a lot of obstacles. We think the main thing to get girls interested or minorities interested in aviation is just a, the exposure piece. And my mentor,
3: like I saw Laura and I was like, oh my gosh, she's awesome. And she's a pilot. I grew up with a woman pilot and her sons were thinking, oh, all pilots
2: are female. Like it's just, <laughs> isn't it your POV? Everyone's point of view is different based on where they are. So that's why I hate to weigh in very strongly because I definitely think that there are people who have had different experiences than we've had here in Kentucky. But here in Kentucky, the kids literally think it's normal. They think all kids fly.
1: That's awesome. Normalization of it doesn't matter where you come from or what your background is. If you're interested in aviation, then you're interested in aviation.
2: We're hoping that our one touch of picking kids up in an airplane or showing them that they can build a plane will positively impact them because we know that those touches they get from their peers in school could be negative. And we know that teenagers, their number one influencer, it's not their mom and dad, it's their peers. And we have to understand that if we want to see a better workforce, then it's going to require that all of us step up to the plate and find a place to get involved where we help build our teenagers and we give them the mentorship we're reaping the benefits of the kids in our community because it's a ripple effect these kids are going out they are positively influencing the kids in their sphere and the younger kids and that ripple effect goes out over our entire community
1: are there any other models that you guys have based this organization off of? Like other examples of types of nonprofits that are doing the similar types of work?
2: No, we started this nonprofit, we were thinking more of a junior achievement model. The young people actually run this nonprofit. When we first started, and still to this day, we have the finance committee and those are teenagers. The teenagers are the ones that created the budget for 2022. Now they didn't do it alone. They did it with adults who sat with them and taught them how to create a budget. It's a little bit like, if you come to Flight Club 502, I don't know if you ever watched any Star Trek. There were the, where the women were running the planet, these kind of shows. Well, this planet is run by teenagers. So if you arrive, it'll be a teenager that will greet you. And it's a teenager that's running the facilities, managing our front desk. It'll be a young person that will give the presentation on the 2023 budget. The teenagers are running fundraising. And I think the young person that's running our fundraising program right now, she
3: she's a junior.
2: She's running our fundraising effort right now, which we're raising money to buy new equipment new Diamond 20 aircraft, which is what the Air Force Academy uses to train their cadets. And she's hoping to clear 250000 from the raffle. Teenagers can accomplish great things, but they just need the mentorship.
3: Yeah, they need for us to trust them and kind of double check after them. But us handing them that responsibility makes them grow into that position because a lot of times these kids have never been asked to be a leader of something.
0: Definitely. With that, thinking of like the future leaders, with these kids that you work with in your program, once they are done with the program, how many get involved with aviation and do you believe that they're impacting some of those labor shortages or influencing the market? It was
2: not our plan. I mean, our plan was to use the airplanes to
0: get people here
2: to build leaders. But what we're seeing is that what we're doing is workforce development And our state has actually recognized our program as a workforce development asset. We're recognizing it through the numbers of our members who are going into aerospace industry. I think we're seeing close to 60% of our members are sort of tracking that line in one way or the other. So it's really cool. I mean, we started in 2015,
3: and after the seven-year period, to see the kids that were 13 years old then and now becoming young adults and going out into the aviation industry just warms everybody's heart. It's incredible what they're doing now because of the experience they had at flight clubs.
0: So it sounds like the state has really acknowledged your program. They're really excited about it. What is the response from airports or maybe some of the universities that are critical for this market? Are you seeing a response or interest in your organization from those entities as well?
2: I think that's, for the universities, that's next step, because we would like to eventually offer some opportunities for an associate degree in aerospace before they graduate. We'd like more of an academic opportunity for our kids. Yeah, that's the next step. That's that's where we are right now. And we're also working, Annabelle and several other board members created a program called Flight Club in a Box. And that's where we can take our program and help other cities start programs like ours. So we launched Lexington, Kentucky in 2020. Knoxville is coming to visit with us. They want Flight Club in Knoxville. So we'll be able to sort of share our best practices and help others launch youth development programs
0: in their towns.
1: I was actually going to ask about that. Where are you inspiring elsewhere? And so that's great to hear that this program is expanding to other places across the Southeast.
0: What are ways that people can get involved in their communities? What are some of the organizations that we should be looking to, to to support to help train future pilots, get individuals involved in the industry?
2: I think it's important that each and every one of us look inside ourselves and find a way to get involved to help teenagers. Our kids need us. Number two. For these small airports across the country, many of them, they're, I don't want to say abandoned, but they look like nobody cares. And I think with the aging pilot population and the aging fleet, we need to really think about our infrastructure and how important it is to us. Is it important for us to keep these small airports healthy and vibrant? I think so. And if you want the airports to be healthy and vibrant and you want to be able to continue your good work of developing airports and developing airport properties, then we need people to use the airports. I think you should or we should support programs like the Experimental Aircraft Association's Young Eagle programs and support programming like Flight Club 502. I mean, that's a great
3: answer to how you can help get involved, just getting the younger generation involved and having that connection with the older pilots to the younger kids and teenagers and inspiring them.
0: Great answer. I think I really liked Laura's point too about how, you know, the facilities that you're operating in do matter. Thank you so much, Laura and Annabelle, for joining us in the Hold Room today and being a part of the conversation.
2: It was great meeting you, and thank you for the great work you're doing
0: at the airport. Thanks for joining us in The Hold Room for this special podcast series exploring the new passenger experience. You can find more from this series on the ACC Training Hub. That's training.acconline.org backslash the-hold-room or wherever you get your podcasts including apple podcasts spotify stitcher etc follow us for more content from the airport consultants council you can support this podcast by leaving a rating or review and by telling your friends and colleagues about the podcast thanks again